So let's suppose I wanted to destroy America. What would be the best way to do it? Well, I'd first replace the education system top to bottom. Instead of giving students the tools to think, reason, and analyze based on hard facts, I'd give them a system in which everyone thinks alike. Deviating from the groupthink would be strictly forbidden, and it would result in a person being ostracized, scorned, and prohibited from even being employed. I'd erase all substance and symbols of history. Instead of ensuring that students actually read and understood the documents of our origin, you know, like the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, I'd focus instead on pop culture, and I'd fill our history books with Lady Gaga, the Kardashians, and Beyonce. I'd demonize George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, James Madison, and Benjamin Franklin by never allowing students to see what these men actually said or did. I'd find any flaw in them, and I'd make that the only thing kids learned. I'd never simply teach that the country had some ugly chapters of slavery and racism, as did virtually every nation on earth. No, I'd pretend those things still exist now, despite the obvious fact that a black person was twice elected president by defeating white candidates, which by the way meant that a large number of white people voted for the black candidate. And I'd ignore that black people have held virtually every cabinet agency or another, have served at the top of our military, have advanced to business, to become millionaires and billionaires, led the world in several scientific and medical innovations. Now, I'd seek to undo a system of economic capitalism which rewarded work and innovation. I wouldn't demand equality of opportunity. I would demand equality of outcome, which would mean that there wouldn't be an incentive to study all night for an A, since everybody's gonna get the same grade anyway. Why risk starting a business based on a better idea or create something if working from early to late still netted you the same pay as the person who came late, left early, and never created anything. Hey, I just give everyone a trophy. No one would ever lose, ever. I'd also get rid of law enforcement. I mean, cops can get in the way of us doing what we want, taking what belongs to others and having civil order. If there's anarchy and chaos and people are terrified to live and work where they live, it'll be a lot easier for me to convince people that the problem is not the lack of law enforcement, but the presence of law enforcement. Oh, I'd use words that sound good to cover my real intentions. I'd say equality when I really mean favoritism. I'd say tolerance when I really mean intolerance. I'd say diversity when I really mean uniformity. And I'd say women's health, when I really mean doing a very unnatural surgical procedure to kill her baby and ultimately do real damage to the woman's physical and mental health. I'd marginalize religion and brand all of its adherents as fanatics, bigots, hate mongers, and racists because belief in moral absolutes like love, forgiveness, charity, sacrifice, and service, that's a real threat to controlling people and making them follow what they're told. Now, I'd never attack America with a bomb, bullets, or battleships. I'd just lie about our history. And I'd lie about its origins. I'd destroy every symbol of its legacy, both good and bad. I would indoctrinate instead of educate. 
so as to have uniformity of thought, and I take away all ownership of private property and personal capital and give everyone the exact same thing. So I would be able to destroy the incentives that made people like me, who grew up poor, who worked really hard to live better, and with that, to be able to give better. But you see, I don't want to destroy America. I love America. And it's why I will not let her get destroyed. All right. My name is Ben Burgess, and this is Give Them an Argument. I am joined, as always, by our uh, producer, Forrest Miller. Uh, and uh, in a little while, I am going to be joined uh, by uh, my good friend Ben Yudashin uh, to break down this booklet, uh, which sounds made up, but I swear is a real thing that exists, uh, called The Kid's Guide to fighting socialism, uh, because as you just saw in uh, in that clip, uh, Governor Huckabee is very concerned about replacing education with indoctrination. He does not like that. So in the interests of fighting indoctrination uh, and having a kind of form of education that's not indoctrination, uh, he's got uh, this booklet uh, that has helpful, you know, you can see here it says capitalism, good. Socialism, bad. So just, you know, just so you don't miss the point. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about that uh, with my brother in Bendis, uh, Ben Udashin, in a, uh, in a little bit. Uh, but there are a, a couple of other things I want to uh, want to talk about uh, before uh, the other Ben joins me. Uh, so uh, the first is a article uh, that I wrote for, uh, for Jack Ben. Uh, that uh, that came out uh, last week. Uh, we, you know, a little, I uh, think, yeah, I think uh, just over a week ago, but uh, we have not done a, a regular episode since then called Want to Be Your Own Boss? Democratic Socialism is for You. And uh, where this, this article came from is there's this whole thriving genre of be your own boss self-help videos on YouTube. And... As I started to uh, to watch more of these, um, was I was talking to uh, one of the editors at, at Jacobin about this. Uh, one of the things that really struck me is that even though some of them are about how if you you know leave the grind of the nine to five and you become your own boss, start your own business, be an entrepreneur, uh, then uh, you can. Uh, yes, yeah, like if you ever watch Fraggle Rock, Uncle, you know, traveling, uh, Uncle Traveling Forest. Uh, so, oh wow, that's a that's quite a reference. <laughs> uh, well, I'm also very old, so. Uh, <laughs> so no, I, I was a I was a big I was a big Fraggle Rock fan as a kid, so I I appreciate that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, if you watch these, some of the videos are all about how. Uh, if you uh, if you go into business for yourself, if you become an entrepreneur, uh, you'll be making you know two thousand dollars a day, and you can get one of those you know gold uh, you know like swimming pools of gold coins like Scrooge McDuck you know while we're uh, while we're doing the classic kids TV references. Uh, but most of them aren't really about that. Like most of them are about something else, and something that I think is pretty telling, honestly thinking about 
capitalism. Uh, so let me uh, let me just pull up a little uh, clip here. Uh, so here we go. So this is from a, a video of uh, Be Your Own Boss tips uh, from um, Kevin O'Leary. Uh, so if you uh, if you know uh, Kevin O'Leary from you know, Shark Tank, maybe I think uh, he uh, he's a Canadian businessman and uh, and entrepreneurship guru. Uh, he's he's somebody who well you can see him here sort of being like uh, Jordan Belfort uh, at the uh, at the end of Wolf of Wall Street uh, talking. Uh, you know, talking to a room full of very hopeful uh, would-be entrepreneurs, and he's uh, he's giving them a little uh, a little motivational a uh, little motivational talk. Uh, so let's let's just watch a little bit of that of the story that he starts with. I was working once in an ice cream parlor when I was about fifteen years old, my first real job, and on the second day, I was asked to scrape the gum off between the Mexican tiles on the floor. And I said to the woman who owned the store, it was called Magoo's Ice Cream Parlor, you didn't hire me to scrape gum, you hired me to scoop ice cream. And this this girl in the shoe store across the way that's looking at me, I don't want to see her scraping the gum. And she said, what are you talking about? I own this store, I'll do any, anything I want with you. Get down on your knees and scrape that gum. And I said, I'm not doing it. She said, you're fired. Last job I ever had. I owe that woman everything. I don't like to work for people. Many of you in here, I hope, inherit that. There's nothing wrong with it, but if you want to control your own destiny, you work for yourself. That's how it works. That's uh, that's, that's, that's quite a quite a story. I mean, I don't I don't know if I quite believe it, but. I think his preteen mind might have uh, might have warped that that lady a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it's entirely it's, it is entirely possible. Uh, and I also think that somebody who uh, gives uh, goes around giving inspirational business tips is you know not necessarily going to be the um, you know somebody who I would I would put that past. Uh, you know? Down on your knees and scrape that gum off the table, or you're fired. <laughs> yeah. the, the, uh, Kevin O'Leary, the Kevin O'Leary uh, erotic novel uh, collection <laughs> <laughs> granted uh, but, uh, but I also find that pretty interesting uh, because like a lot of these videos the emphasis really isn't on the dream of making tons and tons of money uh, that that uh, some of them are, but I think for the most part, it's not. Uh, the emphasis is on not having people push you around. The emphasis is on having some level of autonomy, having, as uh, O'Leary says at the end of the clip, you know, the, the ability to uh, control your own destiny. And of course, people like, Kevin O'Leary are very, very enthusiastic about the capitalist system, but man, like, yes, put aside any doubts you have about the sort of lurid details. Uh, <laughs> like that is a hell of, like that could be the setup for, and that's how I became a revolutionary communist. 
Uh, like that's that like it's that is a hell of a critique of the capitalist system that look because in this context is willing to do that right that like like instead of pretending that everybody is totally free and totally in control of their own destiny under capitalism in this context uh it they are very freely admitting uh that if you have to work for uh, for somebody else uh then that severely limits your ability to control your own destiny that you know that you're not a uh, a fully free person which is something that um you know, thinking about this uh, made me think of uh, Abraham Lincoln had uh, famous, I think it was in 1861, uh, his, uh, I think it's not like an according to Hoyle State of the Union speech, because if you're, I don't know, it's, it's I, I never quite remember how this works for the first one. There's a, there's a complication there, but uh, a, a address to Congress uh, in uh, in 1861, uh, where, uh, where Lincoln actually uh, says that uh, there's no such thing as a free man fixed for life in the condition of a higher labor. Now, Lincoln wasn't a socialist. Um, fun fact, by the way, he, he did. it is true that Lincoln had almost certainly read some Karl Marx because um, Marx uh, wrote for the New York Herald Tribune, which was the main uh, anti-slavery newspaper in the United States. Uh, they, also, but, uh, they also communicated quite a bit, right? I mean, it, like... But, not, um, not, not quite a bit, but he did send a, uh, but yeah, he did send like a congratulatory, uh, you know, telegram uh, when uh, on behalf of the first international after, um, after Lincoln was, was reelected. Didn't he, didn't he also send a, a letter about slavery? There's like a famous story about um, Mark sent a letter to Lincoln about um, the prospect of ending slavery and like the imperative to do so um, at, at one point. Uh, yeah, that might, have been, that might have been the same letter, but um, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it is the same letter. I'm I'm only familiar with the one, but it's a good it's a good letter. I mean, it's it's like um, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty fiery for like a uh, for a, a a telegram to uh, to the president. Like I think it uh, talks about how the banner of his second term should be "Death to Slavery" all caps, uh, and um, you know, it's, uh, it's good stuff. And also it's, it's kind of amazing. Like I think William Seward actually responded to it on, on Lincoln's behalf at least. Uh, but, uh, you know, despite all of this, right. Lincoln is not a socialist. Like what Lincoln was saying when he was saying, uh, that, um, that you can't have a free man who's fixed for life in the condition of a hired labor is like, what he's thinking of is not that like, you know, wage labor would, would be ended or anything like that. Uh, what he's thinking is, and what he kind of makes explicit elsewhere in the address is that, well, you can work for a time as a hired labor and then, you know, save up for the tools or land. So you can be like a small independent farmer or shopkeeper. Um, and, and that's his like conception of, uh, of freedom, you know, so in a way it is kind of the uh, Kevin O'Leary thing, but of course, as, uh, last year, uh, when um, uh, Alex Gurevich and uh, Matt Carp uh, were uh, were on the show, uh, those those two historians, and you know, we were talking about kind of the history of like labor republicanism uh, in uh, in nineteenth century America. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think Matt Carp said in that discussion, even by the time you know Lincoln said that, that was already you know a little bit anachronistic. Uh, the idea that everybody could eventually become like a small farmer or something, you know, all free people. 
Uh, but of course, it's certainly become a hell of a lot more anachronistic since then. Uh, and the the point of the article, I mean, this this is just straightforward. Look, if you really buy what Kevin O'Leary is selling at the beginning, that you can't be you know fully in control of your destiny if you're if you're working for other people because they can tell you what to do. They can tell you to get down on your knees and scrape gum. Uh, then uh, now you have a problem though, because even if you have an ice cream stand, by the time you have like one employee now by Kevin O'Leary's own, own standards, uh, you don't have everybody in control of your destiny. So if you really take this ideal that in their very different ways, Abraham Lincoln and Kevin O'Leary are talking about seriously, then uh you got to change the economic structure so people can at least collectively control their own destiny. If you yeah, have... well, I, the thing though is also like be your own boss. Like it, it's an individualized, yeah. like, it's very like the thing is like, yeah, like the system sucks. So the only way to really, you know, is, is to beat the system and win. Like I, I like, which, which is never going to be, I mean, you know, cause it's kind of a complicated um, needle to thread, I guess. But you know, the, the thing, you know, it's, it's never like, it's that you know all these other people are going to be slaving away for wages when someone like Kevin O'Leary says it, um, but like, but you as like a person can beat it. Like if other people are doing it, it's because they're lazy and and they're not they don't have the get go to you know rise to the top and to beat the system. And it's never about changing the system. It's just about how you yourself as an individual can beat the system. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, but but yeah, I mean that's the that's the sort of core you know, problem there, the core contradiction, because of course, yeah, not I mean, everybody yeah. can be, you know, their own boss, uh, pretty much by definition. If you have a complex modern economy, uh, you're not going to do that with like 280 million people all being self-employed. Uh, well, in so, the gig economy. <laughs> <laughs> you have the worst possible version of that. And also really you're working. You own your own, your, you, own, you own your own car, you know? Yeah. I mean, you buy it, you bought it, you know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which um, I, no, I, 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 I should, I should say too. Yeah. I, I wanted. Uh, there was a article in uh, in the New York Times uh, about uh, over the weekend about this. I think on Saturday, I want to say uh, there's actually in New York uh, there is a uh, there there's a worker owned um, uh, rideshare uh, app uh, that's getting started. It's called the Drivers Cooperative, uh, which is you know obviously. I would prefer to live in a society where nobody's uh, nobody's hard up enough to have to sell their labor as cheap as rideshare workers have to, and I'm sure even cooperative rideshare workers will have to. But uh, still, seems like a uh, a very very good thing. Uh, I want to uh, I'm going to bring on uh, other Ben in just a minute, uh, but uh, first um, on the point of what most of the economy. Uh, looks like under capitalism. I do want to play the preview from uh, the uh, patron bonus episode for this week. Uh, so this comes out for uh, patrons on Thursday. Uh, this is Alex Press, who's a staff writer for Jacobin, uh, talking about Chipotle. You had uh, written a, a couple of articles about uh, Chipotle. So the, the first, which the title gives... Uh, you know, gives people a hint of uh, of the perspective uh, is called uh, Chipotle as a criminal enterprise uh, built on exploitation, uh, and then um, and then there was a uh, there was a follow up uh, that says uh, that uh, Chipotle is a nightmare employer 
so uh, what's and there's, uh, there's actually a first one that came oh, out okay. in December last year, which has an even uh, more, I think, memorable title than even those two, which is at Chipotle, they ignore the rats and punish the workers. Right. Uh, okay. about where I spoke to workers who'd been bitten by rats while working at Chipotle. So. Yeah, right. So that's that's a good that's a good start. Uh, tell me about Chipotle. So it's a, it sounds like even by the standards of like fast food chains, which are you know is, is like not a good place to start. Uh, this is pretty bad. Yeah, things are really bad at Chipotle. Um, you know, I didn't realize that um, when I first started writing about Chipotle. I sort of the first article, which was published in December of 2020. Um, was because of a tabloid headline. I think the New York Post ra ran a headline about one store in New York City having a, a rat infestation and a worker being bitten by one. Um, mm -hmm. And so I got in touch with some of the workers there um, and actually spoke to another one who had been bitten at the at that location. And it became very clear very quickly how bad things were. So just as a sort of microcosm case of how bad um, this is for employ for employees. Um, at that one store, you know, Chipotle knew that there was a rat problem at that location. Um, and they kept the store open nonetheless until that New York Post headline, right? And at that point, they closed it to the public. But according to the workers, they kept having them come in to clean that location, even as the rats were still there. So even though Chipotle obviously has a relationship with an exterminator, um, nonetheless, they kept having their extremely poorly paid employees have to risk their health. Um, and the result was that four more employees got bitten by rats at that location. Um, and ultimately, the store only closed it to them as well after a manager was bitten by a rat. And again, I mean, you have to go to the hospital when you get a rat bite. Yeah, this is not a minor thing. Um, and so that is, I think, a very illustrative um, case of what working at Chipotle is like now that I've spoken to so many other workers about other problems. Yeah, so, uh, so, so tell me about some of some of the other problems like this is um like it's it's already like when this first story happens uh last december i mean this is already you know so okay so it's the it's the fast food industry people are you know have to come in you know uh during covid this is long before you know anybody's getting vaccinated right. um so so what's the like you know paint a picture for me yeah so i mean to be clear when I write about a company, it doesn't mean that it is the only company with problems, right? I mean, you yeah. mentioned that fast food sucks and fast food certainly sucks in lots of ways at many different places. Um, I mean, the, part of the reason that Chipotle is worth having attention on it again right now is that the city of New York has filed a, a complaint that would um, that alleges the company broke the law 600,000 times in the course of two years. Um, and so that's the subject of the second article. Um, and sort of why the the spotlight should be on Chipotle right now. Um, and so the sort of to paint the picture, as you said, of what's going on. So New York City passed what's called the Fair Work Week law um, a few years ago. It went into effect, I think, in mid to late 2017. Um, and that gives some basic sort of um, standards and, and sort of, uh, I guess, more certainty and stability to scheduling for fast food workers and Chipotle workers count as fast food workers in New York City. Um, so that law, for example, says that workers need to have their schedules two weeks in advance. Right. Um, it says, I don't know if you're familiar with this term, clopening. Do you know what that mm -mm. is? So I remember working these jobs myself. It's where you work the closing shift and then the opening shift the next day. Um, so you usually have, you know, some limited number of hours to commute all the way home, which is usually a long ways away, and then get a few hours of sleep in before you're back at the store the next day. 
Um, so the Fair Workweek law also includes that clopening needs to be agreed to by the worker in writing, and they also get a $100 pay premium because it's incredibly inconvenient, right? You end up getting like five hours of sleep before you have to get right. up and get back to work. So it's things like that. You know, it's not everything that fast food workers should have, but it's sort of minimum levels that were the result of a lot of organizing by fast food workers. And um, 600,000 violations sounds like there was just no pretense that they were following this. Right, exactly. So the response has been that Chipotle basically did nothing. And New York has previously filed a complaint about this, and they gave, they tried to give Chipotle time to readjust. And the new complaint says that while some efforts were made by Chipotle, it, there was really no compliance. You know, they continued systematically violating it. So the idea being that, you know, these this employer, just like many others, you know, does not like being told what to do and will flout the law and assume that, you know, no one cares about fast food workers having their rights violated. So they're never going to have to you know, deal with the consequences. Who's going to fight for them? Um, and right. so in this case, in part because of, I think, SEIU, local 32 BJ's kind of strength in the city, um, the city actually is, in fact, um, coming after Chipotle for these violations. Um, so that's the union that is that organizes with Chipotle workers in the city. Um, and yeah, so the complaint is, I mean, crazy to read. Like the city is estimating th each worker in this, in a Chipotle location experienced 3.5 violations of the law um, per week and is owed a to about $23,000 each in back pay. Yeah. Um... That that is just remarkable. Uh, Six hundred thousand violations. I mean that that's just whatever. I mean we talk about this a lot in the in the interview, but I mean that is just not even that is just Chipotle not even pretending that they're gonna follow this law. <laughs> you know, just like like look, we're just gonna like continue to to flout it every single day, and it's fine. We're not really gonna get in that much trouble. We can get away with it. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's, it's really interesting also that it's Chipotle because I mean, they are fast food, but they're like they, the, the way that they market themselves is kind of more of like a premium fast food than something, let's say like, 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 it's not like you go to Chipotle and it's like cheap um, food. You know what I mean? Like it's like a 12, $13 like, yeah, right. thing every time you go there. So um, the fact that like the working conditions are, are, are that awful and like, you know, the, the stuff is so marked up really kind of shows a, um, I guess like a, like a really, I don't, like a, it, it, puts it into perspective way more than like, let's say like McDonald's workers or something where like, you know, you're getting stuff from like the dollar menu and it's like, they, they get paid absolutely nothing. And it's like, all right, like, like, like it's more understandable. This kind of throws it into a, a different light, I'd say. Um, although, you know, all fast food is, is exploitative. Like all fast food companies are exploitative, but. No, but it's, it is, does seem to be particularly uh, egregious. Yeah. Uh, of offender. Um, but uh, now I know that there are people who uh, have uh, have come up with. If they, could all, uh, if they could all just be their own boss, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't have to. Yeah. Well, well. So there, there are basically two two ways of uh, of defending this stuff. That one, the Chipotle workers could all start their own little businesses, uh, and we we I'm sure we'd have a functioning economy with uh, with every single person owning their own business. Uh, or uh, two, it's actually okay that they're uh, they're treated like this. Uh, because uh, even lobsters have hierarchy, and uh, there are, you know, it's it, it's it's very deep in our nature. You know, we we shouldn't try to fight it because trying to fight, you know, this this hierarchy that we have this very deep instinct for is just going to lead to gulags. 
and it's going to lead to gulags, and you you just can't you just can't you know you just can't do it. Exactly. Yeah, like, you, wanna, you know, really, I want to end poverty, but 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 I, you know, it, it's just like you know the the lobsters don't 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 do that. So <laughs> I don't know. I need to work on my Jordan Peterson. No, I, I think the first part was good, but um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So I th I think on that on that view, you just need to uh, clean your room and and uh, and show up to work fifteen minutes early and keep your back straight, you know, with your shoulders squared, and you'll eventually. Uh, you'll eventually get to be a Chipotle manager and then you'll still be bitten by a rat. Uh, but uh, now I, I don't want to, you know, anybody to think like this is just where, you know, uh, you know, shitting on him uh, here. Uh, and, and I'm not prepared to uh, discuss these ideas to the man's face. In fact, uh, since uh, Jordan Peterson, um, you know, said uh, in a uh, tweet uh, showing that he had, yeah, Maybe read the article he was tweeting about. He definitely hadn't read the book it was about. Uh, he uh, he yeah, said it that seemed I like, it seemed like he was co-signing the fact that it was from Colette more than anything. You know what I mean? Like the fact that oh, like if someone from Colette wrote this about uh, you know about your book, then yeah, yeah, it must it must be good. He certainly had read the uh, again. I'm not convinced that he read the review. He certainly didn't read the book because the book has pages of criticism of him in it. But because he did call me the best of the left, I pointed out on Twitter that. Uh, really, if he's going to debate any leftist, it might as well be the best of the left. And I shared with him all the things I said about him in the book. Uh, so if he's willing to have that conversation, I'm very happy to have it here. Or as soon as they open the border, I, I could drive to Canada and we could have it there. Uh, just for the record, it has been 12 days since uh, this uh, this offer was made. Uh, the lobster clock uh, sits at, uh, at day 12 right now. And, uh, and the clock keeps ticking. And the clock keeps ticking, Exactly. Uh, so, um, get back to us, Dr. Peterson. Um, you, uh, you know, there's no reason you couldn't have a good discussion with the best of the left. Dr. Uh, Peterson, we need you to live. <laughs> Every time I hear Dr. Peterson, I think of that fucking, uh, Ammon animation, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crow, or, like, Crow or Raven or whatever. That's like, <laughs> wake no. up, Dr. Peterson, you need to wake up. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, since Dr. Peterson uh, has not yet gotten back to us, uh, instead uh, we uh, we will engage with some other uh, defenders of, uh, of of capitalism and economic hierarchy, uh, which brings us uh, to uh, Governor Mike Huckabee uh, and uh, the um, Kids Guide to Fighting Socialism. Uh, Real thing really exists. We both have copies. How you doing, Ben? Oh, I'm great, Ben. Great to uh, come on. This is so exciting. Did you know that socialism might sound good at first, but it's actually terrible? They say that line oh, no. like, three times in this, yeah, and yeah. I have to say, it's it's a it's a kind of makes you wonder. Maybe it's actually not so bad. They do say that like three times, and it's three not times. that many pages long. Um, and there's also, as I pointed out earlier, uh, there's also really helpful, in case you get lost in the maze of ideas being presented here, uh, there there are like helpful headings like capitalism good. <laughs> capitalism good. Socialism bad. Yeah. <laughs> They're actually like doing the like meme. It's like orange man bad. It's it is that level. My favorite, of course, is the 
is the is the grades you as a as an ex professor right now obviously but you know and as someone who uh i mean i i worked in a preschool it's not you don't really give grades you just give check marks but you know a plus for capitalism a plus they wow, think it's really perfect <laughs> like nothing is wrong <laughs> socialism gets an f but communism gets an f minus yeah, I, I, I like the the F minus. F minus is a nice touch. It's very important. <laughs> like we distinguish between the F and the you know, I, I've gotta say I have entered in uh way too many grades in my life. I have never like seen a, a grade system that accepted F minus as a grade. I have never seen that in my entire life. Ever. Ever. I we didn't even do D's when I was growing up. I mean it was Texas, but you know, like we probably, you know. We didn't have a lot of money for our schools, but <laughs> fair enough. So one of the reasons that I, I wanted to to have you on, why I uh, immediately thought of you when I saw this product, yes. uh, is uh, is that you actually work with kids. I do. Uh, yeah. I'm a nanny. I've been a nanny for about five years. Uh, I'm a Marxist manny, I guess, or some sort. Um yeah, I've uh, worked at preschools and uh, nannying for about a decade. And um, one thing I've definitely learned, obviously, this is not. Yes, please, please show us the, the website and there we'll we'll talk more. But um, yeah, you know, it's really in interesting because, you know, I'm not just like a nanny anywhere. I'm a nanny in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a nanny in you know, some would say uh, socialist hellhole. That's what they used to call it back yeah. in the day when like yeah. Shamas Dewant first uh, came in. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's 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 especially interesting to me seeing this because there's one thing that, you know, I, I don't know if, if other parents feel this way, but like giving your kids didactic books and material does not teach them ideology or political theory or history at all. I can't tell you how many copies of anti-racist baby I have handled in the past three years. Yeah, I uh, I think I knew, but that I had blocked out the fact that anti-racist baby existed. So, so can you review what <laughs> anti-racist? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, this is sort of the, like, this is, I mean, this in particular, growing up in Dallas, like the mega church, mega church land, you know, like this is the didactic, like, you know, veggie tales, but for like an anarcho-capitalism and also, I mean, I have to say this stuff is like, I don't say this word often, but this stuff is very proto-fascist, like <laughs> way more than like, you know, your average Trump shit. I'll say that. But um, yeah, but like an anti-racist baby is basically like ex e Ibram X. Kendi just like saying, you know, like we like, you know, we need diversity. You know, it's like very basic, but it's also like. And this is a problem with a lot of kids lit, lit literature. And it's funny how like in this very politicized climate, we have created a new genre of kids books, which isn't just like there had been this genre of kids books I had been dealing with for ages of the celebrity rights of kids book, right? Yeah. You know, there was one, Kristen Bell has one about how it's good to be purple. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, that's like basically all she does now. She has like six kids books. You know, 
one is like is there such thing as the human race and it's about like like a foot race you know but now we've entered this point to where now we have celebrity like authors and celebrity political people and there's it's this whole cottage industry and so so i mean i understand that like the abram candy kind of line is that uh it's not good enough or maybe it's not even possible just to be non-racist you know you're either a racist or you're an anti-racist but yeah i've got to think if there's one category of human beings who are fully capable of just not having views on this subject it would be babies absolutely i mean i was with a five-year-old like he doesn't understand race at all he will we will look at things we he he loves the uh what is the uh uh you know like all the pbs shows you know and there will be a character who's like supposed to be from latin america and he just knows her skin tone but he doesn't understand race and i feel like these books are an are, are honestly an even more like ridiculous version because like kids don't know what capitalism is what, well, what is capitalism to a nine-year-old? <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna. That that's what I want to kind of pick your brain about, which is like basically the "who is this for?" question. Because oh. I'm trying to imagine a kid, and I guess they don't say. Maybe they say in some of the promotional materials if there's like an age range uh, that they're imagining uh, consuming this. Uh, but like 75 honestly that's the actual <laughs> age range this is me and my wife we uh i happen to get other copies as well of other other ones i'm becoming a bit of a collector but um you this know um, the kids guide to american greatness is that absolutely the, uh... oh my god we can go through all of these later <laughs> but uh the kids guide to leadership you know all these amazing things. Well, but- I was just thinking American greatness because I think that was like a, um, I think there was a, like a right wing like journal that was called the Journal of American Greatness at one point because they, <laughs> they were trying to do. Sorry, they were trying to They were trying to do like a sort of like intellectual magazine, but like for MAGA. So is the journal yes. of American greatness. So the <laughs> guide to American greatness is awesome. That's about There's, it, um, honestly. You're, there, there's this ad that I wanted to really play that very much shows who this is for. Oh, um, yeah. Let's, yes. let's show it, yeah. show it, please. So this was like, this, I was going to bring this up later on um, before you ask the question. And grandparents, great news. Mike Huckabee's education company wants to help your family to celebrate President Trump and all and grandparents. as our president. <laughs> yeah. For a limited time, you can they say that a lot. President Trump for free. <laughs> This fun kids guide will help your kids learn all about the president's greatest achievements. What's more, it's part of a very special gift bundle that includes a free kids magazine and free video lesson too. To learn more and order the kids guide to President Trump gift bundle, just visit free Trump guide. Honestly, I could have seen this giving to them at the uh, the like the like border the like border like kids and cages stuff like that yeah, would yeah, like yeah. if Trump got a second term this would is what they would get instead of the Kamala book that they're getting now. But well, I just, I think that, you know, the, the, um, Hey parents and grandparents, like it's very clear <laughs> that this is for the parents and grandparents of, of kids that are like, of, of, it's very, it's selling this to parents and grandparents who are afraid that like 
you know, uh, education, like our education system is going to like indoctrinate their kids into liberalism. Yeah, like, or, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. And again, and grandparents is just, uh, <laughs> that is the yeah. best part. But, but, but give it to them as like a Christmas gift or something, or like a because it's like because it's written in this way that's like on the one hand, it it does seem like it's written for like um, in a way, right? It's like it's written for for uh, for for kids, like young kids, because it's like, like it's, highlights magazine. Yeah, exactly. Like the format is like highlights uh-huh. magazine and. Uh, and it's very like I mean, literally, the headings are like capitalism, good, socialism, bad, right? So it's yeah. like it, it it's being like super, super simplified. But on the other hand, uh, they say all this stuff, I and mean, we can go through it piece by piece. But they 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 use all these terms like um, government controls businesses. Like, is the assumed reader of this somebody who has a handle on what a business is? Yeah, or what government is. Or what government is, right. Or, like, and, or has even been ideologically programmed enough to us automatically associate that government is bad. Yeah. They and- also do the thing that I'm sure you have dealt with, and I feel like you've talked a lot about this, how they just say, basically, they do the, like, the, like, old, like, I feel like they just recreate memes from, like, five years ago. But it's, like, socialism is when the government does stuff. They do that constantly. No, they do. Like, and, and actually, that's also something we can talk about because what? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, what and socialism, how socialism is anti-freedom. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what socialism means in this booklet is super unclear. But like, um, but yeah, like the idea. Because I don't know. I'm. Just, I was just as I was reading this, I was remembering like times like when I was. You know, I spent a couple semesters as a substitute teacher, uh, so I was in like elementary school classrooms sometimes, and like, I don't think like I don't think that like a average like you know, I don't know fifth grader or whatever. Like I'm, I'm trying again. I cannot wrap my mind around who the age group is supposed to be, but like, like, like who somebody who would be given something that looks like this, like. I don't think that that kid knows what like taxes are. No. Or they all have that like grandparent who like gives them $20 and then like takes $10 of it. You know, like this is from the government, but me and my wife were, cause we, we got really deep, deep into this. We've like had like, we probably spent about four hours going through these in the past week, but um, like we keep on thinking that, it's got to be for these are either for like the the obvious target that I can think of. And this is terrifying is homeschool kids. Right. Yeah. Because it's very much for that kind of evangelical. It's 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 like targeted towards it. They even sort of say that on one of the websites that like Everbright Media is producing materials for you homeschooling parents and, you know, as supplementary education stuff. But it's also it has to be for grandparents to give to the kids while they stare at the parent, you know, being like, <laughs> like, you know, you're just this is this is because you're, you know, you're uh, I don't know, God, like, I don't even know, like you're you watch this. This is us. And now we're <laughs> mad at you. So we have to do this. Um it's pretty amazing, though, like have having these extra ones, you really sort of see their whole broad worldview 
Um, one of the lines is the Civil War demonstrates that America is always trying to improve. Yeah, well, that uh, we uh, at the beginning of the episode we watched a clip of uh, Governor Huckabee talking about how he would destroy America. He basically just goes on this five minute rant about everything that he hates. Um, mm-hmm about you know liberalism and um some of it's really weird like he says something about how like he's listed off all these things that clearly he thinks have happened but one of them is like i would um i would have like kids not know about the constitution and the bill of rights and you know and the declaration of independence uh, which you know god knows right nothing about that in like school history books and i would yeah. uh but instead i would focus on pop culture and I would fill the history books with Lady Gaga and Beyonce. I was like, are there history books that should Lady Gaga? I don't, I, I'm not familiar with that. I mean, are history books updated for like like the like most recent decade? <laughs> right. I don't know. Like not with our public school system. God, I feel like my history books like still have the USSR in them. So like <laughs> right, 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 right. it was in the early 2000s. Like the towers had fallen, but the wall hadn't in my book. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and yeah, there are definitely, um, but in there he, he talks about uh, how, like, oh, if I want to destroy America, I would do this and that. And I would, you know, uh, instead of just admitting that there were a few ugly chapters in American history, like racism and slavery, like, so like, hundreds of years of yeah. slavery is an ugly chapter <laughs> like, it's just a chapter like, i mean may, maybe if the book is like two 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 chapters long <laughs> if that's a chapter how yeah there's the yeah. Like, infinite jest i mean what, what are we uh right we exactly about here? um and there there is a lot yeah there are definitely some some things in here that uh that fit uh really well with um what you're saying about how it's for uh, it's for grandparents to give to kids Absolutely. while staring angrily at the parents, yes. uh, because there's a there's a thing in here about trying to find the line. We'll we'll go through this piece by piece, but it says um, that uh, someone, you know, it's something like uh, the socialism. Uh, socialism might sound good, and you might have friends and teachers and yeah. you know who, yeah. who say that it's good so like it's it's definitely like catering to like the paranoia of yes. the fo- the fox news grandma who's who's sure that like at the that goddamn public school they must be telling the kids socialism right. is good yeah yeah another thing that i noticed a lot was they were really into showing the fist they showed the fist a lot and i feel like that was like a like sub like a sub liminal like anti-black lives matter message oh hey jim davis you just came up with with the fist so um but um yeah it, it was definitely like they it is for this paranoid set who feels that the culture is against them and that everything is falling apart because of this goddamn you know, these evil t- unionized teachers and that one friend who watches bread tube videos or whatever, you know, or that one cool friend who watches give them an argument with Ben Burgess. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so uh, let me let's just start out here. Um, socialism 
is a belief system that says that the government should control property and businesses. I'm going to stop right there because I, I'm 41 years old and I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about capitalism and socialism and stuff. And I'm not a hundred percent on what they mean by that. I like, is a 10 year old supposed to read this and know what that sentence means? No idea. I mean, I swear like a 10 year old, like all they care about is who owns the Xbox, who owns the Fortnite skins. I don't know any 10 year olds. I don't actually know what they're like anymore, but I can't imagine that developmentally they understand. Yeah. Socialism is an authoritarian political system. By the way, second sentence this, we use the word authoritarianism. Like, the, are the kids supposed to, I mean, I guess they're supposed to flip to the glossary in the back yeah. uh, to, uh, to find out what authoritarianism is. Uh, but like, I don't know if I were, I mean, writing this for kids i don't think i'd use that term uh um, so aren't all the parents who give this to them like super authoritarian with their kids like aren't <laughs> isn't this like the one subset of like parents who still spank their kids right right, right 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 totally uh yeah uh yeah like especially if they're homeschooled right i mean like those yeah. kids like are like being controlled like all day, every day. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's like the parents have to leave for a while and they can, you know, play basketball in the backyard or something. But, um, uh, so socialism is an authoritarian political system because people aren't allowed to own things for themselves. Instead, socialist governments regulate the economy. Uh, again, uh, regulate is not in the glossary. I don't think it is. Uh, nope, it's not. So I guess the kids are supposed to know what a regulation is. Um, re regulate the economy by taking the money that someone makes and giving it to other people. Um, notice that so far the definition of socialism is like taxpayer funded social programs exist. Right. So they have like a very like, right libertarian view of what socialism is which is like basic like it's it's like were the was like Hammurabi's government socialism <laughs> under this like <laughs> this is ridiculous no exactly like yeah i mean there's no yes exactly there's no government anywhere that doesn't regulate the economy in in some way or to some degree um so uh so yeah this is this is very uh and again, they don't give any examples of these things. Socialism, sorry, socialists uh, say that this will create an equal society where no one is too rich and where the government will take care of everyone. Socialists believe in collectivism instead of individualism. Now we get to the historical claims. Socialism is the opposite of the free market capitalism that America is built on. So... <laughs> <laughs> sure i mean if again if you skip the uh chapter of american history where we literally had enslaved people it is the it's the corner of america you know yeah yeah i mean like if if a free market involves people being free to uh decide whether to participate in the labor market uh yeah. you, you think that that chapter wouldn't count uh which uh uh, so to be clear is the, uh, is, is the chapter, uh, up until 1865. Right. Um, and 
also, you know, free market capitalism, uh, which is the whole phrase is in the glossary, uh, an economic system where people and businesses can buy and sell goods without government regulations. That's right. So regulations, like there was a period of American history where there are no regulations. Absolutely, Ben. Didn't you hear about the era? Well, isn't that what the era of good feeling was? <laughs> there no, no regulations of any kind. Like no, nothing. Yeah, um, which which is amazing because, like, you, I mean, just whatever. I mean, it's a it's a really basic point, but like, I always think about this. You know, like the when uh, you know Ayn Rand's. Uh, anarcho-capitalist hero john galt uh that like i always thought was hilarious that like she she had the specific kind of business he was involved in be a rail like a railroad <laughs> yeah it's perfect <laughs> it's like okay what what is what does a railroad system look like in a uh in a country with zero government regulations like because you have like one farmer in one place doesn't want to sell and yeah. uh and what 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 does the line look like? Like that's you just uh, have a bunch of like you 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 have like four different railroads doing the exact same path because they're all they're they're competing for the quality of the of the steel, you know? Right, right, exactly. Um all right. Uh socialists don't believe in America's most important values, like individual freedom, ownership of property, and the pursuit of happiness. These monsters don't even want to allow people to try to be happy. Uh, socialists say that they have solutions to a lot of the problems in the world, but that's not true. By looking at examples from history, we can see that socialism has a history of failure and corruption. So corruption is in the glossary. Regulate is not. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> it has hurt a lot of people. Even though we know that's true, this seems very defensive, many people still say that socialism can solve all for America's problems. Socialism is more popular in America than ever before. So it's important that people who know better stand up and fight it. Kids like you are the next generation of American voters. Kids I'm like going to pause. Yeah. They, like, okay. Best guess. At what age do kids like have a sense of what voting is? I mean, I was weird. I was a, I was like a dork. I, I was like, like five and i kind of remember the bob bob dole bill clinton thing but i didn't really know what voting was i just like went to the booth with my dad but yeah. like you don't really like understand it's definitely like one of those things that you hear the words for way more as a kid before you really understand what it even means yeah uh, yeah no that seems right like uh like I, I i yeah no that's true i mean i can remember being like a very little kid and having at least some sense, like, I know that, like, even when I was four, when uh, the 1984 election happened, I know that I knew that it was a thing that someone won and someone lost. I'm not sure if I knew yeah. more than that. Yeah, 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 that's definitely true. And also... Again, this is just reminding me, we can continue reading, but <laughs> this is just reminding me of this thing that like, not every kid is like this. My last, my last nanny kids were definitely like this, where sometimes if you're a little too didactic with the kids and you really go in a certain direction, they will push back. 
Yeah, so right. like <laughs> this is a thing that like like I had a kid who's like both of his parents were like Jewish prison abolitionists, and yeah. he told me he wanted to be a Christian and a cop. So like <laughs> you know, it doesn't always work work out the way you want. So you know, right, of course, I, I yeah. worry about the efficacy of this. <laughs> um. Okay. Um, kids like you are the next generation of American voters, and one day it will be up to you to make sure that our country remains a great place to live. Uh, that's why it's important that you learn about what socialism is and understand why it's wrong. The more you know, the more you can do to fight socialism and keep America great. Ooh, all right. Now, got a little graphic here, how economies work. Um capitalist economy social yeah, economy exactly an economy is a system for making and using money that is, is that the... true <laughs> that seems really wrong like like i don't want to be like i i don't know i've heard all you know like i read that david graber book about debt you know so like there's a lot of controversy about currency but like uh, I think we had like economies and forms of exchange and yeah, labor without, yeah, without currency. So like, I don't think that's true. And, yeah, right. So that's so that's one thing, right? It seems like you can have a barter economy, you can have a gift mm-hmm. economy. Like, uh, economy doesn't necessarily mean that money is involved at all. Also, even if we're talking strictly about like kinds of economies that do have money, that's still a weird definition. Like. Yeah. Like that for an economy is a system for making and using money. Like, is is that like, I mean, I I guess having a functioning economy of of the kind that uses money involves doing those things. But I mean, I would think that like, you know, for making goods and services and distributing like, right. Yeah. Like, like, it's it, it sounds like basically all you need for an economy is just like a printer. <laughs> if you have like yeah, exactly. But if you've got like a machine to print money and, and two people just hand the money back. Is this what MMT you. is? <laughs> I think that is the uh yeah, I think that's what people who really don't like MMT think they have <laughs> MMT is. Sorry, I'm being um being what's his uh, Doug Hanwood <laughs> over here. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm um I I am uh, politely skeptical of parts of MMT. I'm not yeah. going to shit out that much, but uh, the uh, uh, there are different kinds of economies. All right, so I guess at this point we've we've defined economy sufficiently, and we can start going into the differences between different kinds. Good. America's economy is a free market capitalist economy. Um, no other kinds of capitalism are discussed. By the way, they just always use free market capitalist as like a as a phrase. Uh, where people pay money in exchange for goods, which definitely, I mean, their definition of socialism involved taxation. So presumably in socialist economies, people are also being paid money. Uh, at least, you know, I understand there are socialists who think that something can only count as a form of socialism if we've overcome the commodity Value form. For, Maybe that's what yes. they have in mind, but that doesn't seem to be what they were saying on the first page. I don't think uh, they're they're familiar with laughed comms. <laughs> Probably not, though. And people can make money by working or by starting businesses. Um, That's an interesting or. 
I wonder if there's anything that determines which people do which of those things. That, uh, <laughs> this gives people an incentive to work hard to be successful. The free market encourages people to compete, which causes uh, people to come up with better ideas and inventions that make life better. Uh, this is a claim that you get a few times in here. It's also like a really weird claim that's like if you're trying to like hammer something into the heads of kids who, you know, you rightly don't trust to already know what an economy is, right. uh, that it's a little weird that like the specific thing you're trying to sell them on is this claim that socialism stifles like innovation. That uh, <laughs> that, that, that this seems a little advanced, but... Um, because everything in a free market economy is connected, unlike other kinds of economies, yeah. uh, one person's success will benefit everyone. All right. That was the good one. Here's the bad one. Socialist economy. The, uh, f before we go to that, it's important yeah. that we note that there are four smokestacks in the socialist economy <laughs> and eight on the capitalist economy. So if you want less pollution, you should be a socialist. <laughs> that is really interesting. I wonder if that was on purpose. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe I it maybe be, it's right? like socialism is part of the war, the war on coal. Okay. All right. Socialism is another kind of economy under socialism. The government controls businesses and the entire economy. Property is supposed to be owned and shared by everyone. Instead of competing on the free market, everyone is supposed to work together to produce whatever society needs. Uh, everyone is supposed to be equal, and no one gets rewarded for working harder than everyone else, which I, I just want to stop and note that on page one, socialism was like any time the government taxes people to pay for something, to some service that they provide, and uh, we're on uh, page, uh, well, the page two, three spread here. And now um, socialism means no one gets rewarded for working harder than everyone else, which like, okay, if you read the critique of the Gotha program, uh, which is the place where Karl Marx <laughs> talks the most about his ideas about how social society could work. Uh, he, he says in uh, the first phase of communism, communism is emerges from capitalism. Uh, you would actually, I mean, Marx is very explicit about this need to, uh, you couldn't have completely equal distribution. You need some people to, uh, to, to have, um, well, I mean, there wouldn't be money exactly. So I guess this isn't an economy as they would define it, but you have labor certificate, labor time certificates, but like some people are actually, um, getting to take more goods from the common stock than, than other people because of the intensity or duration of their labor. So on page one, the United States clearly counts as a socialist country on page pages two to three. Uh, even what Marx saw as the first stage of communism wouldn't count as yeah. socialism. Cause you have to have literally no pay differentials or incentives yeah, of any kind. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it has to mean that everyone has one toothbrush and you share it see that you know they should have said the toothbrush thing because the kids they really should have said that yeah exactly right i mean god like i i swear like th this is less this is like like a lot of marks is really complicated to read i just bought capitals mainly so i can look smart
Uh, but uh, <laughs> it'll take me like my kid will be eight, eighteen by the time I finish it, and the kid isn't even bored. I don't. My, no one's even pregnant. But um, the um, like, there are some things that are even simpler than this stuff. I swear, like in its specificity. Also, they don't do enough graphs or pictures. What? Kids learn visually. <laughs> this is true. There, there's not like it's all walls of text. Yeah, I mean, there's like a little bit, like on the on the next uh, on the next page, you've got like you know, there's pictures of pilgrims and there's like a fist and marks, but like there's a lot of text and not a lot of pictures. And all the pictures are if the word socialism next to someone looking unhappy. Oh, this is so incompetent. Um, Since people depend on the government to provide for their needs, no one is rewarded for their work. There's no incentive to work hard or be successful. Under socialism, successful people are actually punished since they have to give whatever they earn to other people. In communism, the most extreme kind of socialism, people aren't even allowed to own private property no which is also like okay we just had literally in the paragraph before it said in the definition of socialism it said property is supposed to be owned and shared by everyone right um so now communism the most extreme kind of socialism people aren't even allowed to own private property like again inconsistent I, I i'm you know like i uh ben i'll have you know i've read books longer than this <laughs> <laughs> i haven't okay fair <laughs> at least recently it's been a lot of kids books so <laughs> but um i i have you know spent a fair amount of time arguing with people who disagree with me about stuff like this yeah. i don't I don't know what the hell the def- the difference is between the way that they defined socialism here and communism here. Yeah. Like, like little kids are supposed to read this and like, and like get out of this. Like they, they like, yeah. like why are they defining these terms for them at all? If they're just going to give these like vague sentences that sound the same. It's just socialism, bad communism, bad minus. That's it. <laughs> bad minus. Yeah. Okay, well, they've got some history, uh, the uh, the history of socialism. Socialism started in Europe in the 1800s. During that time, the Industrial Revolution had increased poverty and inequality. That's interesting. (laughs) Wow. Brave. Um, So this is capitalism, and it's increased. Oh, okay. All right. it was mercantilism, Ben. It's totally different. Okay. Maybe that's the distinction. Mercantilism yeah. is not the glossary, oh, so yeah, I, exactly. I don't know if that's what they have in mind. Uh, so early socialists wanted governments to tax wealthy people and businesses to distribute money to the poor. They also thought that workers should own the businesses that they worked for. So there's a lot going on here already. Um, the So... It seems like they kind of want to say, like they kind of want to do two things at the same time here. They want to say that uh, wanting to tax rich people to pay for social programs is socialism in itself. 
because uh, above all the Mike Huckabees of the world like want to use like fear mongering about socialism as like a cudgel against like New Deal liberalism. Fair enough, but then like also uh, they want to be clear. It's like oh, um, you know, socialism is really radical and extreme, so they have to say like yeah, these socialists they wanted to. Uh, have a uh, progressive income tax and also <laughs> workers control of the means of production. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing that just came up when I, when I saw that it said workers own the businesses that they work for. Don't these people love small businesses? Isn't <laughs> that what a small businessman is? Be your own boss. Be your own boss. A writer named Karl Marx used socialist ideas uh, to create a system that we call Marxism. Um, Marx thought that the socialists weren't radical enough. Um, that That is, if you, if you read like all of the places where Marx uh, will will write these, these long detailed critiques of uh, Proudhon and Bakunin and LaSalle and all these other socialists in, uh, in his time period, uh, that's pretty much the gist of it. He thinks yeah. they're not radical enough. Cool. When it came to Bakunin, it was he didn't bathe enough, too. So <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, that's another thing. Yeah. Um, let me just see if I can find. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, this one's, this, this one's is my good. favorite. Uh, my yeah. favorite Marx quote about Bakunin from a, a letter uh, from a letter to Ingalls in 1863. Uh he says, uh, Bakunin uh, has become a monster, a huge mass of flesh and fat. It is barely capable of walking anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's like my 900-pound life, but about like a Russian anarchist. <laughs> it's ridiculous. To crown it all, he is sexually perverse and jealous of the 17-year-old Polish girl who married him in Siberia because his martyred <laughs> Oh my God. Oh. Also, he's not radical enough. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they definitely, that's what, that was the like, again, like that, that is a frame that I don't even like when people use that now. It's just, it's, it means so little, you know, like so, some of the times that can just mean like it's less feasible, you know, like yeah, that's right. all that that means. So, so like in this context, like, the thing that like made like Marxism like the like most notable sort of ideological way for like labor movements and social democratic parties and eventually like communism was yeah. that it was like very grounded. Right. And it was like not like it, it was, you know, it was like more scientific, more materialist. I don't know. I just find that such like a funny way of, of pre yeah, right. And again, that's the idea that that would be his criticism of all these other socialists, you're not radical enough. Like, that's right. <laughs> what, what is this? Some DSA caucuses? I love, exactly. I love DSA. Like, I love my it. DSA people. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it does, it does feel like that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he said that the rich and poor were enemies, uh, so there needed to be a revolution to overthrow capitalism. All right, so a couple thoughts. Um, first of all, again, it's like it feels like whoever Huckabee had write this thing keeps forgetting who he's writing for because, like, I, I want to know. 
I mean, I actually kind of do want to force some children to read this now just to find out like how they process some of these sentences. Like, like what does that mean to a child if you say Marx thought the other socialists weren't radical enough? Now explain to me what that sentence you just heard means. Yeah. Means he didn't he uh he liked the wrong ninja turtle. You know, <laughs> right, like right, right, right. exactly. Uh, yeah, and and the enemies, uh certainly an idea nobody had ever had before Karl Marx. <laughs> no, never. Um Socialism would eventually lead to communism, a system where everyone was equal and would provide for another, which is literally on the page before the way you define socialism. Yeah, exactly. It's so confusing. It's like, honestly, just don't even mention communism. Or like, I, I, exactly. I, I don't know. No, don't, yeah. like, 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 if you're going to mention it, come up with some clear way of differentiating them. Right. But like, also, why are you even mentioning communism? Like, this is supposed to be like... You're trying to indoctrinate people who you correctly believe don't know what the word economy means. Right. <laughs> Why are you it. confusing the issue by saying, okay, well, I guess I should be clear. There are different kinds of socialism, uh, but I also am going to use the same definition for both of them. Um, the uh, Let's see. No one should be allowed to own anything at all. Anything. Anything. Wow. Not even my wife. <laughs> Sorry. That's how some of the people commonly reading this to the kids kind of think. So yeah, I mean, like anything, like toasters, toothbrushes, anything. Anything. Okay. Nope. Close. Uh, we in communism, you all just put on one giant wet <laughs> suit of overalls. <laughs> Every morning, everyone wears the same piece of underwear. <laughs> It's no good. Uh, yeah, under communism, some would contribute all that they had and others would take what they needed. The only thing that would matter is that no one is more successful than anyone else. Um, just for fun, uh, one of Marx's cr criticisms of the Lasallian faction of the German socialist movement is they were too focused on questions of distribution rather than who, who owns the means of production. But exactly. um, in uh, communism, individual freedom and happiness don't matter. And no one is allowed to be more successful than anyone else. Yeah, exactly. So dark. That means everyone uh, has the exact same uh, number of Twitter followers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which would be great for my new podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Before we, uh, so in a few minutes, uh, we are going to uh, to go to the post game. I hope you can stick around. Uh, oh, yeah. And before, uh, before that, I think Forrest has some clips for us. But before even that, uh, you want to uh, tell us about that new podcast? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I started a, a new show with a uh, fellow uh, childcare worker and nanny uh, who I actually met at a Jacobin reading group. Uh, we both showed up for the childhood issue, which is, I think, one of the best issues they ever did. Um, and uh, it's me and Bryn and uh, yes, Bryn and Ben on Ben's show talking about the show with Bryn and Ben. It's called Red Diaper Baby. Uh, we are going to start doing more uh, show more shows soon. It's, you know, it's about, you know, child care, family uh education and capitalism 
So uh, we'd love to have you on at some time. Of course, uh, of we uh, talk a, a lot. You know, we kind of go through some some theory stuff, some history stuff, but we also talk with people about their own experience working. You know, uh, the childcare uh, world is a great place to see all the ways that capitalism is failing. From you know, uh, yeah. All the yeah, different no. ways. So no, give, yeah. give us give us give us a minute of it. What's the uh... yeah? Sure, yo. So you know, like uh, the um, <laughs> I uh, political pain just uh, said that I uh, have agreed to come onto a show. Okay, great. Um, anyways, um, but uh, yeah. So you know, we we talk, for instance, about you know the sort of uh, concepts of let's say social re reproduction theory and how it's it's a way that is uh, you know for all the class and race and identity politics conversations that always happen on the left. It's a way to sort of get things out of the performative cancel culture stuff, which I know you're a big critic of, to talking about the ways that it creates markets and extracts free labor. And uh, also, uh, we talk to cool people like uh, uh, Brian Quinby from Street Fight and uh, lots of different uh, folks. And um, yeah, we really enjoy doing it. So uh, everyone go to uh, rdbshow.com to check it out. Yeah, I went to, uh, when I still lived in New Jersey, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a, a street fight uh, live show in Brooklyn, um, which uh, which is definitely one of the more entertaining uh, podcasts. Uh, yeah. That- which I, I just realized that was a ridiculous sentence that I was saying because it implied mm-hmm. that I've been to like more than a couple of uh, uh, podcast live shows, which which maybe you know might make you question my life choices. But anyway, yeah, dude, as a as a like recovering comedy nerd, I have been to so many. So if that's embarrassing for you, I am like I am pathetic. Fair enough, yeah. uh, but. Uh, but yeah, definitely one of the most entertaining ones that that I've yeah. uh, I've been to. They had uh, uh, Matt and Will from uh, Chapa with them, and uh, and and Matt had this fantastic story about working at like a Cinnabon, <laughs> and they thought that he had like taken some money from the cash register, and yeah. like there's there was a point where there was like a cop there, and the cop wanted to know if he'd be willing to take a lie detector test, <laughs> and so he was like, yeah. Absolutely, I would love to take a lie detector test because, toss the audience, I'm not an idiot, and I know that that's not admissible, right? So right. It'd just be fun. How many of you here have taken lie detector tests? Yeah, and then exactly. by the end of the story, it's like begging them to like to take them to the station, give them a lie detector test, but you know, like they didn't actually have one. So, um, my God, <laughs> from Cinnabon. Yeah, oh yeah. my God, I don't know. Take- they, you shouldn't they, have to do that at, at at any job you work at a mall. I used to have to clopen for a, a job at at a mall. Speaking of the part that was very interesting with Alex Press, but um, yeah, no, come on, come on, people. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> just so, yeah. That's which, by is. the way, uh, we should take a moment here just to say uh, that um, if from the glossary. <laughs> Free market capitalism is an economic system where people and businesses can buy and sell goods without government regulations. Um, Hello. Like no, uh, no restrictions on, on making people clopen. Uh, No. uh, In fact, um, 
the whole thing where they had to shut down because the rats were biting people. I mean, that uh, it's like, uh, I mean, free market capitalism, which is what made America great. Uh, there were you know, 27 people in my city who got E. coli from Chipotle. Like, free market. It's great. Hey, at least it's not corrupt. Exactly. Well, if you had, look, uh, if uh, if Chipotle, um, if Chipotle was wasn't bound by any government regulations at all, I'm sure that there wouldn't be, you know, maybe there'd be like 28 or 29 instead of 27. But yeah, that'd totally. Be, that'd be it. Yeah, exactly. So creating, creating government regulations, you know, it just gives them ideas about uh, things, you know, that they shouldn't be doing. And by creating too many regulations, you're just giving these business owners, you know, lots of ideas about how to mistreat workers. And if there was none, they wouldn't have any ideas. So there you go. Well, makes you think. Uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> I understand that, um, I mean, this is what we've been going over and we'll continue to go over in the post game. is uh, this is like the, the basic primer. The kids find out what an economy is and uh, how socialism is bad, but communism is even worse, even though they have exactly the same definition. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. but uh, I, I understand that the uh, that Huckabee also uh, has is, is associated with this series some more advanced material uh, where uh, the kids can find out about, for example, the history of the the Cold War. Uh, do we uh, do we have that clip? Yeah. So um, this is a series of videos. There are. <laughs> Um, probably 35 or, or, or 40 of them on the streaming app that I found um, connected to the, to, to the Kids Guide uh, series called Learn Our History. And, um, you know, so they have storylines in this where these kids time travel. They've created a time traveling machine and they time travel to uh, learn about history so they can write these reports for their teacher who wants them to write these really in-depth reports. And throughout the entire thing, you know, every conclusion that they basically reach is America is great. When America wasn't great, it was because, like, Democratic presidents weren't hawkish enough in foreign policy. And, like, so, I don't know. It's literally the worst videos I've ever seen. Animation is terrible. It's not even – I can't even ironically say um, anything good about it. Like, I can't even be like, wow, like, like this is so bad, it's good. No, this is yeah. this is so bad, it's, no. it's fucking terrible. And – I have to say, in at least the first episode, which I actually watched, I airplayed it onto my TV. That's how dedicated I was to it. But there's a evil college professor <laughs> kind of looks like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right, let's give it a watch. And now, the people of the world and Europe knew what the Soviets were planning. As a result, the Western Allies unified their German zones and began the creation of the Free State of West Germany. And in reaction, the Soviets entrenched in East Germany. But for now, the Truman Doctrine of Containment has worked. I don't know about this containment thing. It seems to waste a lot of valuable time. We know from our studies on Reagan that it's going to take a lot more than just controlling these types of regimes to make the world safer. So we got to do more with Iran. Gonna take then the let's CIA. go back to class and finish up our assignment. One of our main strategies for the Cold War was the concept of not backing down to Soviet pressure, aggression, and threats. Even though they were developing nuclear weapons and sending most of their army and military power to intimidate us. We started with the Truman Doctrine and the Marshall Plan, and lots of aid and money to help Western Europe rebuild. And in response, the Soviets used terror and fear to control the people. And take more land like they did in Eastern Europe. 
So just trying to contain the Soviets wasn't enough. All we did was slow them down. And now, with missiles and bombs and all, they were just getting stronger. And it all came to a head in Berlin, right? Like we had in World War II, the Americans answered the challenge, and against amazing odds, we faced the communists down with the Berlin airlift. Berlin became a symbol of the United States' resolve to stand up to the growing Soviet threat without being forced into direct conflict. Which is what we're facing today with places like Iran. Right. The U.S. has to stand up for what we believe in and not just try to contain it. And that's why the Cold War is still important. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, surprisingly, they didn't mention the Jakarta method at all. Wow. <laughs> they're shoehorning they're shoehorning the Iran thing into it so hard, too. Like, it's, yeah, it's like hard. four times when they're talking about the Cold War. In like, <laughs> yeah. Two exactly. And that's why we need to bomb Iran right now. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, kind of dates it, but also it actually means it's totally eternal because the uh, American yeah. right wing and a lot of the, like, center just hates Iran. Always will. Yeah. Yeah. No, very true. Um, yeah, I was actually just thinking, like, I just read uh, Christopher Hitchens' book, uh, The Trial of Henry Kissinger. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, and so where he, he talks about, uh, you know, Indonesia and East Timor and, uh, and uh, Chile and... Um, uh, the uh, and uh, the the bombing of Cambodia and uh, and many uh, many other things, which which I would like the time traveling kids to uh, to, to yeah, do exactly a couple episodes. Check it out. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, uh, I guess they the they need a special adapter. It's USB C. They need a USB A. I you know it's a it just doesn't work that way. This um this this one this one gets a little bit even uh, this, this one gets a little bit even more in depth I'd say um they've they've added somebody it's not just uh it's not just Iran in this one um this is this is this is their lessons their takeaway from the Cuban Missile Crisis. So what did we learn about the Cuban Missile Crisis? We learned that U.S. foreign policy has to be direct and our president has to be strong especially today with countries like Iran, North Korea, and even China and Russia. If you don't stand up to bullies like that, they'll just push you around. So we can't make deals with rogue nations who won't stand behind their promises. JFK made a few rookie mistakes that kind of made the situation worse. But in the end, truth and justice prevailed. The crisis also showed why our president needs to have experience in foreign affairs. In the end, the Soviet leadership had to respect the strength and conviction of our country. This is great work, guys, but the Cold War was still far from over. <laughs> are they in quarantine? Why are they all on the Zoom? It might they have be a, a time machine? It might be a more recent episode. Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> that, that would be excellent if they were, were time traveling, but also in quarantine. Um, <laughs> A lot of a lot of grandparents were complaining about the fact that they stopped at the Berlin airlift and they didn't, you know, they didn't they didn't continue on to the rest of the Cold War. So they're like, right, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, we got to yeah, keep making. Thinking these. that there, there's that parents guide under there link. I, I I was hoping that under there there was the grandparents guide. Uh, <laughs> also, I I think it's amazing that um every every Republican uh like you didn't see JFK in this, but every every Republican president like they have Reagan and he's like and like he's that he's that kind of style of animation. I mean. He, he he looks very creepy and, and is very badly done, but but 
but then you see like Jimmy Carter or like you know JFK like and and they like kind of they, they do an even worse job purposely animating them and make yeah. them like weird two-dimensional characters so it's like all the all the like Republican presidents are like they, they try to make them look like majestic and more like that and then like there's just like some dumb like buck tooth uh like like Democrat president right <laughs> Do they talk about Watergate? I realize that's not exactly the Cold War, but I just would love to see like something like that. Like, would they blame it on like Soul Train being on prime time or something? Like, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, right. Yeah. Be the uh, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, good-hearted patriots, you know, who uh, who, who just wanted to stop uh, George McGovern, you know, from uh, from becoming president. Yeah, uh, were railroaded, and you know, yeah, you could have like a little cartoon G Gordon Liddy would be great. Yes. Uh, this is, this, all right. This is, uh, this is the worst. Wait, I have to show you the worst one. I, okay. I was building. I was. I was building up to this third one. Um, okay. I, I know we got to go to the. I know we got to jump off this in a second, but I just wanted to build up to this to the one on the Patriot Act. Um, awesome. Yeah. It's now two months since fighting began in Afghanistan. Yeah. Looks like it's making a difference. They got their cots back. My friends, you are back, and right at our moment of triumph. Do we know you? Of course. It's me, Farah. Ahmed? Farah, actually. Since your troops have come in, it's now okay for me to be myself. I can go to school again. So what happened? With America's support, the evil Taliban no longer control our lives with their cruelty and crazy rules. Gotta go. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, Farah. Come on. Where? To check up on the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Cool. <laughs> what do we do? The Americans have cut off all our money. They have captured the operatives around the world. How oh, has this come to Paris? Aren't some of these guys still on the loose? How are you able to find them, Simon? Well, I completed a cross-reference of our database with suspected locations from the CIA and National Security Agency data at this time. And it led me right here. Well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> no, we can't. But they're right here. Farley, we can't change history. You know that. All we can do is learn from it so we don't repeat the past mistakes. Besides tried to get these guys now it would alter the course of history and the world could end up with a different outcome and it may be worse you mean not being in <laughs> afghanistan um, I get still it. is this their hiding place <laughs> it is the u.s and its allies broke apart and cut off bin laden from his followers and his money don't worry barley we arrested or stopped many of their operatives around the world, including Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the man who planned the attacks. He was arrested in 2003. Style the icon. did continue to try to attack the U.S., but America became much more aware of the risks. The country improved airport security and created the Office of Homeland Security to protect us better. Congress also passed the Patriot Act, which enabled us to be better coordinated when we went after Al-Qaeda and other terrorists. Weren't there a bunch of attempted attacks after this? Yes, but because of our increased security and awareness, they were stopped before they got started. But that doesn't mean the terrorists won't keep coming after us. I get it. Keep our eyes and ears this open. Is like, right. This is and like television from Stark and Cooper. You want to know more? Oh. 
Oh my god. That that episode starts out where um you know they can't they can't change history or like you know everything will change. So they watch 9/11 happen and and the kid is like I got to stop 9/11 from happening and he runs he like he's like running at the twin towers and then the twin towers just like the plane hits them and they burst into flame in front of him and they just animate the twin towers which I got to say I think 9/11 deserves better than that animation style you know yeah. I mean at, at at very least but it's I, I don't know. It's literally like the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like uh, C. Money Burns, who, by the way, is one of the patrons, so hence one of the best humans on earth, uh, says, uh, uh, I love that they see fit to negotiate time travel paradoxes in the middle of this shit sandwich. Like that yeah. they. <laughs> well, no, because the, the ultimate plot hole would be like, you know, they're, they're, they're watching this happen and it's just like, oh, well, why don't you just stop the terrorists then yourself? Like, you're right there. So, like, whoever's thinking of it, like, has to be thinking, like, well, we have to write this in so that, you know, they can't stop the terrorists in the story. Like, like it just has to happen in front also, of them. Also, like, okay, I'm trying to follow the plot here. Um, so, it's 26 minutes, so I, I you they, know. They, they know that, <laughs> but that, that video we just watched, uh, they're in the past, and, and they're looking at these terrorist leaders, and uh, and they know where the terrorist leaders are because they were looking at, like, the CIA world book or something with, like, intelligence guesses, but those terrorist leaders are also still at large, so even though the CIA was putting out the information that they were using, the CIA was not able to use this information to, to get them. The, the other thing is that they, they, they also, they, they also say that, um, Oh, the Taliban just kind of showed up. They're like, we defeated the Taliban who just kind of showed up and took control. And like, obviously there's no mention of the fact that like, we were the ones funding the fucking Taliban for, you know what I mean? Like for, for the longest time, like, like these splinter groups in, in Afghanistan that like, I don't know. Like it's it's like it's really funny to see what they omit, and they also omit the fact that it was um, Obama that was president when they got Osama bin Laden. Like they're very clear to like not give him the credit for that, which you know, obviously, like I, no, it's I, like, I, 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 I yeah. get what you're saying. It's 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 yeah. like it, it's hilarious that they can't even like they can't talk about the Cuban myth. Like this is like normal concern. Like conservatives love JFK now. I mean, like they have, but they they still can't bring themselves to just be like, "Oh, JFK did good with the missile crisis." Like they've got to, like they've got to work it. Well, he made some rookie mistakes, you know. Uh, like the Bay of Pigs. <laughs> they um, you know, they a, a big part of uh this. I mean, I I'm almost surprised that there there wasn't like the uh that like that they uh the Cuban Missile Crisis one didn't include like a little image of Barry Goldwater where they talked about how he would have, you know, like if, if he'd been elected yeah. president. Yeah. I, I just, a lot of this also, I think, I mean, they're, they're not just trying to indoctrinate conservatives. They're trying to indoctrinate Republicans, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make, like specifically yeah. Republicans. So like they're trying to, um, you know, I mean, they want Republican voters. Like Huckabee is like clearly a, a partisan actor to the point where even that video we watched, he sounded like he was kind of doing a bad Nixon impression. Um, whenever he speaks like a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it's, it's interesting that like, cause you know, it, it's, uh, I don't know. So it, it's interesting to see that, that part of it too. Like, yeah, cause it's, it's purely culture war, prop, like propaganda, like on top of being, um, you know, historical propaganda. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. I, again, it's so specific. They, they want the kids to know about the Patriot Act and why that was important. Uh, 
but uh but yes thank you actually i'm glad we stayed for that because that was awesome but uh we really do need to uh go to the post game now uh links on the patreon uh give me what to say before we go on wednesday at eight uh forest and uh philosophy professor ryan lake uh and uh jacobin uh staff writer luke savage and i are going to be talking about eyes wide shut uh for the wednesday uh movie live stream uh, so uh, should be uh, should be a fun one, uh, you know. Philosophy uh, Philosophy Friday and Friday. I'm going uh, to uh, Jen and I are going to talk about uh, Bertrand Russell's. Uh, I love philosophy. those. Yeah, good. you two are so adorable together. Oh my god, I love it. It's great. All the tech Texas talk makes me very happy. So <laughs> we, we 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 all need to do some Texas talk in the post game, by the way, because I'm oh, yeah. here in San Antonio right now. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I traveled from uh, Austin. I've never been to Texas before now, and this is like my I've been here for like a week. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And Let's on uh Sunday, Gene Bajalan, Adnan Hussein and I are going to for the Sunday night debate breakdown. We are going to be watching a old, old uh, debate uh, between on the same side, uh, Edward Said and Christopher Hitchens arguing with some neoconservative ghouls in like the 80s. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be good stuff. Good stuff coming up. Uh, join us in the post game uh, where we'll continue to plumb the depths of uh, Mike Huckabee's insights about socialism. Yeah. Left is best. <laughs>